0: So good to see you. If we haven't met yet, my name is Brent, and I'm one of the pastors around here, and uh, currently I'm doing some next-gen work and things like that, and I'm just happy to be hanging out with you today. So Kyle, welcome on board, Austin, Austin, welcome on board, thanks for having us all. Everybody online, thank you so much for joining us today. We're glad that you're here. Make yourself at home, enjoy the day. You are part of this family as well. Hey, uh, just before we get into the scriptures today, I want to talk to you about one quick thing that's pretty exciting. Most of you know by now, I think, that we've been going through a selection process for our campus pastors in Liberty Hill, and we've gone through quite a process, I think we had around close to 50 applicants, I think, and we went through an interview process and got down to the bottom and realized that the very best candidates that we had here were Darren and Jennifer Shaw for that position. And those of you from Austin Cathedral, you already knew that. You could have told us that. You could have saved us a lot of time. So thanks a lot. Where are we at? Um, And so actually last Sunday they were there and Darren preached his first sermon there to, you know, kind of get a feel. And apparently it went well. So today Pastor Ross is up there along with Darren and Jennifer. And he is installing them as the campus pastors of Liberty Hill today. So we're going to pray over them. And... We're really excited about that. And all you guys from Austin Cathedral, thanks for raising them up real good. You did real good. And, um, and we're excited about what's gonna happen with them. And so it's really incredible. So pray for them, congratulate them when you see them. They'll come back here and we'll kind of pray them, pray over them and, and send them out as a family from here. That'll be a special day. But what that means around here is there's other things happening and so I wanted to let you know that because Jennifer was functioning as the kids director here. And by the way, yo, she did a good job. Like she, she in a really hard season with people from surviving from the past year and a half with a construction zone. Have you ever tried to run a kids ministry in a construction zone? Probably not. It's not easy. And so she helped build up a strong team. She built a really strong foundation and I'm really grateful for her. When you see her, you need to hug her and say, thank you. But because they're going up there, and by the way, she told me when I asked her to do it, she said, she said, "Uh, look, I I know that this is an interim thing for me. I think I'm supposed to do a certain thing and I'm supposed to go on to something else. (laughs) Who knew? And so." So anyway, what that means is that, uh, Maria, my wife and I are stepping in with this merge of Kyle and Austin. We are now the kids pastors here in Austin. And so it's, it's really fun along with my other next gen duties and stuff like that. And some other things that I've got going on around the church. But, uh, but we've been up there the past couple weeks hanging out with kids and I've dumped chocolate sauce on my head already. And it's been really a lot of fun. And so, uh, we're really thrilled to be here. And by the way, we've got some great plans for the future and we're working right now. You know, the first thing that we, did is we got check-in working consistently. And if you're a parent, if you're not a parent, you're like, so that sounds dumb. But if you're a parent and you've been going through the last few months here, you're like, oh, thank God because it just was wonky, and we figured out the problem and got it fixed, and so we're looking right now at, uh, we're, we're looking at paint for the hallways and new signage and all those things, but more importantly than all that stuff that we're going to do, we have a big vision for kids becoming disciples of Jesus around here, real disciples, not babysitting, not just, um, you, you hear that? I'm just, I just thought I'd breathe on you a little bit. <gasps> okay, maybe that'll be better, and um. And so we're, we're, we really wanna help kids follow Jesus. So they're up there right now, actually, in bigs. they're worshiping hard and lifting hands and it's going great. So anyway, thanks for letting us be a part of that journey. We got big plans and a lot of stuff coming on the way. So I just wanted you to hear that update and know what's going on. So are you ready? Should we go? Yeah. All right, um, if you have kids or teenagers, speaking of, you've probably heard somebody say this, oh, they grow up so fast. You ever heard that? They grow up so fast. They say, enjoy them while you can. You know, enjoy the moments because the day is gonna come when they're gone out of the house. They'll be gone before you know it. You've heard people say this. When people say this to me, oftentimes I just wanna, wanna grab them by the shoulders and say, what do you want me to do about it? Like, thanks for nothing, I don't know what to do with that information. And sometimes, actually, what you want to say is you want to say, yeah, that sounds great, but I wish they'd grow up a little faster, frankly. (laughs) I mean, I enjoyed when when my 13-year-old told me that they can't stand me. That was fun and all. But I really enjoyed the public meltdown that my kid had in the grocery store. That was really fun. Can they just go somewhere else right now? Like, is that an option? Now, no parent would actually say that out loud. What are we supposed to do about it? Here's the truth. It does go fast. For sure, I'm discovering that it goes fast. There is a clock that starts ticking the day your child is born. And you have about 936 weeks from the time they're born to the time they're going to graduate high school. And so the typical story of a daughter could go something like this. On week one, she cried all night. The whole night she cried. On week 130, she used the potty. So proud of her. That's a good day. Week 338, she got the first visit from the Tooth Fairy. It was a special day. If you believe in the Tooth Fairy, but we pray against that in our house. Um, <laughs> week week 494, she outgrew the kids' menu. That's an exciting day. Week 645, she decided she's now going to be a vegetarian. <laughs> week 646, she only eats hamburgers. Week 832, she got her driver's license. And week 936, she graduated from high school. It went fast. You will only get 365 days with your son as a three-year-old, and then he'll be four. You will never know them as a three-year-old again. You're only going to get 52 weeks to know your 13-year-old as a 13-year-old, and then they'll be 14. You'll never know them as a 13-year-old again. And some parents said, oh, Thank God we're often hurrying to try to get through this phase of life in order to get to the next one. We say things like, oh, it's just a phase. It's just a phase. It'll be over soon. Just hold on tight and we'll get through it. Just, just hold on. Pretty soon, this whole thing will be over. It's just a phase we're going to get through. Today, I want to inspire you as a parent. I want to inspire your family. I want to inspire our entire church to say, it's just a phase, so I don't want to miss it. It's just a face, so I don't want to miss it. Today, we're continuing our series called It's Complicated. And if you've been around, we've gone through the journey, man. We, a couple weeks ago, we talked about the, the beauty and the importance and sometimes difficulty of being single. Uh, last week, we talked about sex. Most have recovered by this week. People feel a little uncomfortable. If you've missed any of this series, go to our YouTube channel and check it out and you can catch up. It's been really good. But today, after talking about all that, we're going to talk about families. And I know that it can be hard to talk about families because a lot of us, we didn't have a good family. A lot of us, we had difficult experiences with family or maybe we've lost family or all kinds of scenarios around the room, but we have to talk about this because it's so important. And we got to dig down occasionally on kids. We got to dig down as a church occasionally on the next generation. We have to talk about this because if we don't talk about this, if we don't invest, what it means is is eventually our church just dies out. And we around here believe that the next generation, yeah, they are the church of tomorrow, but they are also the church of today. As cliche as that may sound, it's the truth. And so we need to pause every now and then. So if you don't have kids, I don't want you to tune me out today. You're like, oh, this has nothing to do with me. Some of it will. And and the truth is, it's important that we discuss this because we're a church that believes in kids, believes in students, believes in the next generation, and we're not gonna do the job unless we all say yes to it. We all have to decide that we're going to be in on that and we're going to lean young and be intentional about it. So, and some of you are going to have kids eventually and others of you are going to serve in kids or serve in tag. And I would love to talk to you right after the service. (laughs) But if we're going to talk about this, let me introduce my family to you really quick. This is my fam, doing a little uh, duck pin bowling downtown. Aurora, and Reese, and Maria, and me, and you, and we don't, I let you, some of you guys are like real fancy picture takers, and you go out in the field, and like you sit on a couch in a field in the sunshine, and I don't, I don't understand it. We don't do any of that at our house. We just do this. This is what we hang on the wall. Uh, but this is my family. Oh, I'm sorry, there is one more. There's one more picture, and this is Millie. This is the newest oh. member of our family. Yeah, where was that for my family? Thanks a lot. It's a dog, is it? That- <laughs> Welcome to Austin, I guess. <laughs> I'll never forget the day that Maria and I became parents. Aurora, sitting right over there, she made us parents. And I'll never forget that day. Aurora was breached, actually. And so, you know, as, as the new parents, we don't know what's, what does that mean? What do we have to do? What, what's going to happen? And Maria went in, and Maria is a champion. And they tried to do that, that procedure where they turn the kid, you know, and I'm watching the doctor turn the kid, and I'm like, it's like an alien. This is so frightening. And I'm trying to turn it, and Aurora would just go, bloop, and she'd just go back. And so, so she was born, and she was all squished up in there. And so for, for the first couple weeks of her life, her legs would just, we'd change her diaper, and her legs would just go, whoop to her face, push him down, change the diaper. It was was the craziest thing. It's weird, right? And the first day you're like, what am I supposed to do with this thing? Ewan on his first day, we brought him home. I had him that was holding him. The first night we got home, he just stopped breathing. I know nobody prepares you for this. He stopped. he was coughing a little bit and I think it was some fluid and he just like stopped breathing. And I'm like, and so I had one of those bulb syringes So I grabbed it, and just shoved it down his throat, sucked some stuff out. He was fine. Called the pediatrician, and I was like, he stopped breathing. He was like, is she breathing now? Yeah. Okay, you're good. (laughs) Don't we need to come in for a couple weeks? Should we give him back? And then Reese, well, she was essentially, she kind of had a perfect coming to the world experience. And But it's weird, it's so crazy to me that you, you have this kid and then after a day or so, they just say, you're good to go home. Do you know me at all? I can't take care of a plant, let alone a kid. I don't know what to do here. And honestly, it's my first day and I already feel like I'm a failure. And what I'm discovering is after 16 years, that feeling doesn't go away. It just stays there. I still am trying to figure it out every single day. So if I'm so bad at this, why am I the one talking about it? That's a good question actually, you might be asking. Well, I've been in next-gen ministry for over 20 years, and I've learned a lot through those years. I got three kids of my own, and, and we're learning, and so far, God, will they love me, they love Jesus, they love the church, they love Maria, so, so far, we're doing okay, uh, and I want you to know that I truly believe in the next generation. I truly believe in their power and their potential and all the things they're even doing right now, and we want to be a church that really believes in and invests in them, but it's true what they say, the days are long, but the years are short days are long but the years are short and the time goes so fast we were just in diapers and now they're driving experienced this we were just playing legos and now they're leaving the house man and you want so desperately for them to grow up so well you want them to go have a good career you want them to to love god you want them to follow jesus you want them to have a successful life and family and here's the truth that i think we don't always understand you have less time than you think but more influence than you realize as a parent We've got less time than you think, but more influence than you realize. The research all shows that the most important, the most powerful influence in the life of a kid is still the, the, the parent. So the big question is, what are we gonna do with all this time and influence? What are we supposed to do with it? The truth is everybody in here this morning is at a phase. You are at a phase, I'm at a phase. Some of you, you've got little ones at home in diapers. God help you. I, I called it the glorious haze, because it, it's glorious, but man, I don't remember Jack. No sleep, some of you are empty nesters, some of you are teenagers. Some of you, empty nesters, woo! Some of you, some of you in here are single, some of you, you've got grown up kids still living at home in the basement. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Let me tell you what a phase is. A phase is a time frame in someone's life when you can leverage distinctive opportunities to influence their future. That's what a phase is. A phase is not something to just ditch and hurry through. A phase is a time frame where you can leverage opportunity to influence them. When I was in high school, uh, you know, I come from a divorced home and I was trying to figure out life and I was a bit of a mess. And there was a pastor named David Manning in Salem, Oregon, and he took me under his wing. He pulled me in, he met with me weekly and another guy and he taught us the scriptures and he taught us about ministry and he taught us about being a man and some other men in the church, some of the elders gathered around, gave me my first job at Gillespie's meat market and I was just in there cleaning up beef all day and I just smelled terrible, I couldn't eat hamburger for months. They gave me help, they helped me become a young man at a season, at a phase of my life where I didn't know what to do and I felt lost. David Manning came in and he leveraged distinct opportunities about that season to help me become who I am today. And I am forever grateful for people like that. So there's one question that we could be asking today. Perhaps it's this. How do you leverage the phase your family's in today and keep your focus on God's bigger story? Because God is writing a big story and you're involved in it. You have a place in it. It's not your story. I'm sorry to break that news to you if you thought it was. It's not your story. It's his, but he has a place for you. And actually, this is a great question for all of us to ask today in whatever phase we're in, whether you have kids or you don't. Maybe you're single today, you're just about to get married or whatever it is, this is a great question. How do you leverage the phase I'm in right now to keep my focus on God's bigger story? If you're a parent, the first question that we typically ask ourselves then is we ask, "What what do I want my child to know at every phase? What do I want him to know? What do they need to be successful here? When you have a kid, before you even leave the hospital, some of you don't know this, they do this thing called an APGAR test, APGAR tests. And what APGAR stands for is appearance, pulse, grimace, activity, and respiration. And they do all these tests on your kid and you're kind of wondering, oh, so how did my kid do? Did good, right? Did he beat all the other babies in the nursery? Like he's better than everybody, right? He was amazing. And then you take them to their first doctor's appointment and they check their percentages of their height and weight and all these things. And the doctor comes in and says, your kid's in the 99th percentile. And you're like, yes, I knew it. And you're like, that's just a head. <laughs> this actually happened to us. Aurora, she, when she was born, she, I asked her if I could tell this, by the way, she, she had a, she had an abnormally large head. She's had a big head. And, and the, pedi- the pediatrician was like, oh, this is a little concerning. I'm not, sure. I'm not sure if she's moving the way that she should. Should we have some testing done? And, and they did a bunch of stuff, found out that everything was fine. But the next time we went to the pediatrician, the pediatrician said, uh, hey, come here, dad. Let me check your head. <laughs> Measured my head and said, oh, <laughs> it, just, it just runs in the family. That's all it is. You're, <laughs> you're doing fine. Then they start going to school and they're being evaluated in reading and writing and arithmetic. And these years are marked by comparing themselves to everybody else. It's a competition from the start. And you wanna know what's the best thing? What do they need? How can they beat everybody? How, what do what I need to give them in this moment so that they can win? You focus on scores and activities and look, it's not all bad. But there's another important question that we rarely ask and it's this. What do you want your child to know about God at every phase? Have you ever asked that question? When they're three, what should they know about God? When they're 10, what do they need to know about God? When they're 17 and about to leave the house, what do they need to know? See, at every phase, every child has a unique, specific need and a spiritual opportunity. This is why actually we partner with a group called Orange for all of our kids' curriculum. It's an, incredible, it's an incredible organization, and it's incredible because they've talked to all the experts in the field, in academia. They've talked to uh, psychologists, psychiatrists, they've talked to everybody, specialists in the field of childhood development, and they've uncovered and discovered things that kids need at every phase, and figured out how we can interact with them at every phase. And if you're wondering why it's orange, really quickly, I've got a graphic here. If you take and think about the, the light of the church, it's yellow. Yellow stands for the light of the church and red, it stands for the the love and the warmth of the home. And so if you take the light of the church and you take the warmth of the home and you put those two things together, you get orange. And that's why they're called orange. And it's because we have a vision to partner with them to bring what the church is doing and bring what the home is doing and put those things together. Because when you put those things together, you get exponentially more influence than you do if you have those things alone. You put two things together, it's always better. You got peanut butter, you got jelly. Peanut butter and jelly, better. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You got Batman, you got Robin. Okay, bad example. You, just, you, put, two, you put two things together and you get, you get, you get something that's better. So I wanna talk you through some of these specific phases and opportunities really, really quickly. And as I do it, I want you to think about a kid that maybe you know. This is good for parents, but it's also good for you who are leading in kids and students. You take the preschool phase. Preschool phase is when they're just trying to figure out how everything works. How does my body work? How do I control this massive head that I have and I can't seem to control it? In this phase, we need to embrace their physical needs. We embrace their physical needs. There's more development going on in a two-year-old than pretty much any other time in their life. It won't be like that again until they're 13 years old. All kinds of changes that are happening, we embrace their physical needs. And every kid at every phase is asking an invisible question. And in preschool, they're asking, am I able? You remember, they start doing it. They say, I want to do it myself. I do it myself, dad. I don't know why they sound like that, but they need help. Uh, I want to do it myself. A lot of, a lot of parents who have 13 year olds are like, yeah, where'd that kid go? Like what happened? Where's it? <laughs> As you, So what we do is we embrace their physical needs. We show them the love of the Father through our physical touch and it's happening right now in tinies as they hold babies and change them and sing worship songs over them and pray over them as they change them, We're embracing their physical needs. You get to elementary grades one through five and, and this, is, this is where all the interests start, right? This is where they're, in, they're into Star Wars, they're into Lego, they're into Barbie, they're into whatever it is. In this phase, we need to engage their interests. We engage them in what they're into. They're trying to figure out their identity and they're looking around at other people and they come to our church and they say, ooh, that guy's good at singing. Ooh, that girl's good at leading. This is pretty incredible. They're starting to figure all that out and they're asking the invisible question, do I measure up? Do I measure up to other people? They start to have a comparison crisis. Teacher says, hey, everybody draw a flower. Everybody draws a flower, but that kid got a ribbon. Why'd that kid get a ribbon? I didn't get a ribbon. Do I measure up? so we can walk alongside them, engaging in their interests and helping them uh, to figure out how they're uniquely wired. You go to the middle school years, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, and here, parents start to make the move towards becoming more of a coach, you know? Not all the way there, but making that move. In this phase, it's time to affirm them, affirm their journey. And you know why? It gets weird here. <laughs> You didn't know that? It gets weird in the middle school years. Like, it's strange, like things are, like boys are short, girls are tall. You've experienced some of this, I think. Voices are high or low or both, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it just, it's just a fact of life, it just gets weird. And so they're asking the question, who do I like? And usually the answer is, it's the one who likes me. When we affirm them, they begin to realize, oh, this, this church family, it, it's important. They embrace me here and they accept me. They, they like me here, I can belong here. And then you go to high school and beyond, and the 930 weeks are all uh, 36 weeks, they're almost up. And now it's time to mobilize their potential. Yes, that typically means mobilize them up on and out of my house, but, but helping them figure out who they are because they're asking the question, do I believe? Do I believe this? Do I, do I, really what the question they're asking is, do I believe you, mom? Do I believe you, dad? Do I believe you, student pastor? Do I believe you? And during this phase, as they're asking that question, it's really helpful to have them serve and jump in, help mobilize them to figure some of that thing out. That's why the tag team has done uh, burn interns through the past and done really great leadership development work. And I'm really proud of our students and our student team. But again, the question that we're asking is, how do you leverage the phase that I'm in today and keep your focus on God's bigger story? Well, I think there's a key here that's really important for all of us. Parents, how you see your kid is gonna help determine how you choose to guide their story. Parents, they often want their kids to follow in their footsteps, you know? I want my kid to be a certain thing. My kid's gonna be an engineer. My kid's gonna be an engineer. They're gonna be a doctor. So what courses have they gotta take? What do I gotta get into them so that they can get there? And the truth is, well, your son's kinda of failing at math, bro, like I don't, I'm not sure he's gonna be an engineer. Nope, gonna be an engineer. Yeah, but like their art and and music and all those schools, they're really high, they're excellent. Yep, don't care, going to be an engineer. We sometimes try to guide our own kids' story even though their gifts point in another direction because we we just want that for them. Oftentimes, we're good intentioned. The question we should be asking though is how does Jesus see the kids? How does Jesus look at your kids? How does Jesus look at your grandkids? What do the kids in our classrooms that are led by some of you look like to Jesus? Let's go to Mark chapter 9, verse 36. It says, then he, Jesus, put a little child among them and taking the child in his arms, he said to them, anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me welcomes not only me, but also my father who sent me. And then in Mark 10, verse 13, he says again, people were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. Way to go, disciples. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. Take note of this. Jesus is indignant <laughs> and he says, let the little children come to me. Don't hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will not enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them and he blessed them. So kids are coming up to Jesus, trying to get close to him. The disciples are like, oh, get away. Jesus doesn't have time for you. Jesus doesn't like you. he got to work with the older people. We can't take time on a Sunday to just talk about kids. That would be ridiculous. We don't have time for that. Oh, got him. Okay. <laughs> Jesus is too important for you. And Jesus essentially says, Hey, when you welcome a kid, you welcome me. And by the way, in case you didn't figure it out yet, I'm God. So it's like you're welcoming God. Okay. That's a paraphrase, but essentially you're getting the idea. Jesus made every kid a big deal. We need to make every kid a big deal. Look, God's kingdom is a different kind of kingdom. And in some ways, kids are at the center of that kingdom. That's why we need to pay attention. There's a picture of what this looks like. And every person and every kid is made in the image of God. And we need to start seeing your kid, all those kids up there, every student in here as made in the image of God. Imagine what happens if we begin to look at all of these young people as made in the image of God. It's almost like Jesus was saying, yo, th- there shouldn't be anybody more welcome at your church than a-, a little kid that's not potty trained. There shouldn't be anybody more welcome at your church than that hormonal teenager that is going through it. There shouldn't be anybody more welcome than kids and students. But we're like, oh, but they're messy. But they, they cause cost- for, they, they run in, they run in church. How dare they? They're kids, it's the house of God, it's fine, relax. No, they shouldn't just run and do whatever they want to, but listen, we embrace them and let them be here and and let them know that they matter and they belong here. It's like, nobody should be more welcome. Jesus is saying this. So things start to change when you start to get this. When you realize your kids are made in the image of God, things start to change. It changes how you think and operate. It changes all, now some of you might be thinking, look, my kid is so far from that. (laughs) i got a 23 year old and they're off, I don't know where, they hate me, I don't, I don't know what's going on, I, they're so far. You know what you should do? You know what you should do to just start the process? See that kid is made in the image of God. Just start there, start there. And we can talk about all that, we'd love to help you and embrace you as you walk through that trial. It changes how you parent, it changes everything. So some of you are thinking, all right, that sounds great, but all those things you said I should do at every phase and seeing my kid is made in the image of God, how do I do this every day? Well, let me give you a value that I think might help. Imagine the end by focusing your priorities on what matters most. Imagine the end of it by focusing priority on what matters most. As a parent, I'm just gonna tell you, this is scarier than it sounds. Because what happens is sometimes, and I've seen this, I've sent lots of kids throughout the years, sent lots of kids on missions overseas. One summer in Colorado, we sent 250 teenagers overseas to China and to, to uh, Germany and to Mexico. And, and so we've done a lot of those trips. And what happens is parents go, get my kid on that trip. My kid's got to go on that trip. I need them to go. I need them to go. I want God to do something in their life. Okay, great, let's get them. And they go and they have an amazing experience and they do get transformed and God drops a little something in their heart. And they're like, ooh, I think I'm called to missions. I think God is actually doing something. I feel a, a genuine call. And then they come home and they say to mom and dad, hey, I feel called to missions. And they go, oh, <laughs> you're gonna be an engineer. <laughs> I didn't want that for you. <laughs> that, that wasn't the plan. I didn't, I didn't want you to go to that end. See, when you start focusing on what matters most is scary. Because actually what might happen is God might do something miraculous. God might do something greater than you thought he would do. And when you get this, you focus your priorities on what matters most. It changes how you parent, changes how you see friends. It changes the dreaded screen time. It changes your relationships with your grandparents. It changes everything. So this comes with a warning. God might do something better than you thought. Reggie Joyner, who's actually the president of, of Orange, he says, 100 years from now, The only thing that's going to matter is your child's relationship with God. You ain't going to care about anything else. This is all that's going to matter. So I want you to don't miss the phase, man. Leverage it for what matters most. So as we round the corner here today, I want to give you three things that maybe can help all of us do this. And the first thing, and primarily this is for parents right now, and some of you can write it down for later. Some of you can use some of this actually in kids and students as you volunteer when we talk right after church. Remember that? (laughs) The first thing that I think you do to leverage the phase and not miss it is don't miss your role, parents. Nobody has the potential to influence your kid like you. Nobody. Not the lead pastor, not the kid's pastor, not the student pastor that they think is cool. Nobody has the influence that you have. And yeah, that's a lot of pressure. And yeah, it's difficult. And yeah, it can be confusing. All that's true. You're like teacher, coach, counselor, friend, you're all of it. But let me just give you a quick example as to why you're still the number one influence in their lives. The average church, the average kids ministry, the average uh, student ministry, what they're gonna get every year with your kid, they're gonna get about 40 hours. There are 40 little marbles in this bowl. 40 marbles, and that represents the hours that our church will get with your kid. But you realize what happens with a lot of families. They send them to kids saying, fix my kid, teach them about Jesus. They send them to TAG and they say, fix my kid, tell them about Jesus. We get 40 hours, maybe. Post COVID, it's probably less. But the average parent has 3,000 hours of time that they can invest in their kid. So this is what we've been expecting the church to do and fix everybody and make them disciples of Jesus. And moms and dads, this is what you have. This is what you carry. Every year, you have about 3,000 hours on average, the research research says, to be able to influence your kid. And you know it's true, parents have the most influence. Even a bad parent can influence a kid. Parents matter. Let me throw you one more stat that'll blow your mind. The average middle schooler will spend more time on their phone this week than they will spend in our ministries in one year. Uh, A bunch of middle school kids just lost their phones when they went home. (laughs) I'm so sorry, you guys. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to do it. I'm so sorry. I just want you to see that you're important. So what should you do? I've already given you a job description. I'll tell you one more time. If you have a preschooler, embrace their physical needs. Spend the first 200 weeks helping them develop a sense of security and confidence in Jesus. Embrace their physical need. If you've got an elementary age kid, this is your job description, mom and dad. Engage their interests. Appeal to their curiosity to broaden their knowledge and abilities. Get interested in what they're interested in. Don't say I don't have time or mom's and dad's too tired. It doesn't matter. What matters more? Your job and how you feel tonight or that kid 100 years from now. Middle schooler, we affirm their personal journey. That means you show up constantly to give them stability as they navigate the crazy changes and they're starting to discover their potential. And by the way, I do not mean that you should affirm whatever they want to do with their life. You're just affirming the crazy journey that they're on and just saying, hey, you're okay. I love you, I I accept you, you're okay, even as stuff changes in your body. If you've got a high schooler, mobilize their potential give them value and passions to help them launch into the new realities of the adult world. These are your job descriptions, you can do it. But you're like, I don't know how to do that, Brent. I don't don't have that, I I didn't go to Bible school. I don't know how to do those things. You don't have to know the answers. It's okay for you to admit, I'm not sure what to do right now. You can even say it to your kid and say, but let's find the answers together. You know, actually all the studies show that doubt is not really the thing that crushes faith. Silence is. Silence is the thing that keeps your kid from faith. All you have to do is open up at home and have a conversation about it, and it will help you. Homes where parents have faith conversations turn out more faithful children. Let's go quick. The second thing, don't miss this week. So don't miss your role and don't miss this week. Because when you count how many weeks you have left, you tend to do more with the weeks that you have. That's why we typically give out 936 marbles like these at baby dedication because we want parents to remember how much time they have. And you count them out and you realize every week and consider how you did and pray about how you can do better next week. So here are a few routines that might help you consider how to use the time that you have so you won't miss this week. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 7 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. These commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts. Here we go. Impress them on your children and talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. God's already given you a structure to be able to do this, moms and dads. So when you share a mealtime, establish values with intentional conversations. Have real conversations. When we sit around our dinner table, you can ask Aurora, she'd be like, oh my gosh, it's horrible. We, we have real conversations about, about the Bible, about theology, about culture, about what's happening in the world, about something that we saw on the news. We, I ask questions. We have real conversations about it. Use mealtime for that. At bedtime, you can strengthen your relationship with heart connections. Look, at bedtime, so often they're willing to talk a little bit, partly because they don't want to go to bed right now. <laughs> Use that to your advantage. And have a conversation. Sometimes they'll just open up, they'll just be willing to talk more. Don't, uh, uh, now I lay me down to sleep, pray for my soul to keep. I got to go watch Netflix. Don't. Just stay, sit on the bed. We have bunk beds, it's real awkward sometimes, we lay in there, but it's Take some time to, to strengthen your relationships. At drive time, interpret life during informal conversations, like, hey, how's it going, what's good? Just, just use drive, utilize drive time. Don't sit on I-35 going, stupid Austin, I hate this place, I don't know why I ever moved to this place, because the traffic, use it to talk to your kids. And by the way, you guys don't listen, but a lot of times, if you've got friends in the car and everybody's just chatting, you're going to find out a lot of info. Just listen, write it down, and you talk about it later. You're welcome. And you guys, again, I'm sorry, wow, cars got really quiet around one chapel, kids don't talk anymore. We've got to hurry. When you connect positively in the morning time, you can use morning times to instill purpose for the day. How many of you are morning people? <laughs> Less than half. <laughs> Somebody said David, David Campos. David is an everything person. (laughs) Instill purpose for the day. Don't don't just say, well, I'm not a morning person. No, use that time. Use that time to talk about the day. Use that time to, at, at minimum, just lay your hands on them as they go out the door and say, Jesus bless you today. You're a leader, you're not a follower. Go out there today and have a great day. Be a light for Jesus. Remember, you're a parsley. You shouldn't say that, that'll be weird. All right, got to finish. So what do I do? I know you're like, that sounds good. What do I talk about? I can help you. We've been helping you for 10 years. You didn't know it. We have a story video, the Bible story that they're learning today. We have parent guides that we give every single Sunday. We have devotions every single Sunday. So look, here's the parent guide. Go back, sorry, John. We've got parent guides and you've got the, what we're talking about, individuality this month. We've got a video that you can watch. We've got the Bible story. We've got a prayer that you can pray. You can read the scriptures. It's all right there. You don't have to do anything. That's available every single Sunday and has been for 10 years. We pass it out on paper and it ends up in the floorboards. It's on a QR code now. You should use it. We've also got devotionals. You can sit down and do devos with your kids. We've got them for all kinds of age groups. We've got, it's all on our site. You can have it every single week and it can guide you through the week. This is one of the ways that yellow and red can work together, we can do this. And if you don't like that, you know what you can do, and we do often at our house, we just open up a chapter in the Bible at night before we go to bed and we read one chapter and we talk about it. It ain't hard. But what if they ask me a question about theology? Just say, I don't know. Let's go ask David Campos. <laughs> Let's wrap this up, you guys come on back up. So I said, don't miss your role, don't miss this week, and finally, don't miss Sunday. As a parent, you aren't the only adult influence that your kid needs. Sooner or later, they're not gonna listen to you very well. Don't freak out, don't be offended by it, it's just part of the process of them gaining their own independence. What you want, and that happens is, you wanna widen the circle of influence. Widen the circle of positive influences that your kid has. That's why a church family has to play a significant role in your family. Oh, there it is, I was waiting for it. Pastor telling me I gotta come to church, makes sense. That's not what I'm doing at all, actually. But I just want you to think about it for a second. Your church has the ability to connect you to loving adults who are background checked and trained Who believe in your kid and their life and their following Jesus and the vision you have for your kid's life Just like you do and they want to partner with you in seeing that happen. Where else are you gonna go in this world and get that? Where else are you gonna find that kind of a community? School is wonderful and important and they mostly want to help your kid grow in knowledge and that's wonderful. Thank God for teachers but where are you gonna get the people that believe in what God has called your kid to do uniquely and help that kid get there? When your kid says, I don't wanna to listen to you. Look, I've seen it so many times. <laughs> a youth leader will say, you know, I think you should do this. And they come home and say, mom, dad, you will not believe what Saul said. Saul said that I should do this, it was amazing. And you're like, I've been saying that for six months. Yeah. That's the role a student pastor or student leader should have and you should let it happen. Rejoice in it. Don't miss Sunday. Look, every kid is looking for belonging and they're gonna find it somewhere on their own or you can help them find it. So let me encourage you to make Sunday a priority. Let me just encourage you to make One Chapel Kids a priority. It ain't perfect, but we're going somewhere. Let me encourage you to make TAG a priority for your middle school and high school kids. Drive the miles. It's worth it, go to the retreats, it's worth it. Here's what I know, skip church parents, don't raise, go to church kids. I'm preaching the choir, you're all here. Like, ooh, ease off, bro. But schedule what matters most. And you kids, teenagers, most of the kids are gone, but all you guys, all you teenagers, man, just find a place to serve. Like be, be a part of what's going on. Most I'm looking around, most of you do, you already are. And there's a bunch of teenagers serving right now upstairs. I'm proud of you. You guys are awesome. So everybody, put your stuff down and let's 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 pray and we'll go. As we do, I just I started out with a picture of my family, and I, I want you to I want you to hear this, and this applies to you if you've got a family and kids, or it applies to you too if you if you don't, if you you know if you're single today, this applies. I just want you to know that god's not into perfect pictures he's not looking for the perfect picture of the perfect family he's into writing better stories he's into taking your story and making it better he's into taking the phase that you're in right now and helping you become better this is what he wants to do why don't you close your eyes and bow your heads if today you're saying i've got a i've got a prodigal kid and He's out there squandering everything and I don't know what to do. If you're saying my family is just a disaster, I I got divorced, the family broke up, I'm not seeing my kids. If you sweep all your problems under the rug, if that's your style, if, you, if, you, if you're the parent who you yelled at your kids on the way to church, if, if your kids are being raised by screens right now, if you just feel overwhelmed all the time, if, I just want you to know there's a God that wants to write a better story in your life and in your family. God wants to write a redemptive story, a better story, even in the midst of the trial and the difficulty that you're in right now. So there's two questions that I want you to pray with me today. And the first is, God, do my priorities line up with the story that you wanna write? In me or in my family? Do, do my current priorities in this phase, do they line up with the story that you want to write? In me or in my family? And the second one is, God, what is, what is my family? Or what do I need to know about God at this phase? How do my priorities line up with what you want to do? And God, what do you want to teach me about you? And I believe that God will speak to you. You don't have to miss this phase. You can leverage it for what matters most. So... Right now, would you just pray those prayers? God, what do I need to know? What do I need to know about you? What do you wanna show me about you? What have I been missing about you? God, where are my priorities askew, a mess? You guys at home, pray this with us. So Heavenly Father, we lay our hearts, our souls, our lives bare before you and we ask for your help today. Father, I know that there are situations, difficult family experiences here and people that feel like it's too late. And today I pray that you would help them to realize it's never too late. And I pray for healing and redemption to come out of their story. I pray for the hearts of kids to be turned towards parents in Jesus' name. I pray for the hearts of parents to be turned towards kids in Jesus' name and that you would write redemptive stories in the families of one chapel. I, I speak healing over every broken marriage, healing over every broken heart, healing over every parental and kid relationship that's gone south. And I ask for humility and wisdom to fill them and to bring them back together. God, we pray for prodigals to come home in the name of Jesus and for open arms and open hearts to welcome them just like you did. And now we open up our hearts and we ask for you to take our priorities, to shift them and shake them and remove them and put in the ones that you want. So in this phase of our lives, wherever we are, family, no family, single, career focused, that you would help us to, to focus in on the right priorities to become the men and women that you've called us to be. We say yes to you what you want. Show us, reveal it to us now in this week. And finally, what do you want me to know about you? Help me to sense you and feel you and hear from you and teach me about you. I open up my heart and my mind. Just open up your mind right now. Speak, Heavenly Father, speak. We surrender all these things you, and we thank you for it. And we pray that one chapel in this next season post-COVID, all the madness and everything that we've been through, that this next season of One Chapel would bear incredible fruit in the next generation. We love you and we thank you. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus. And everybody said,